There was only one catch, and that was Catch-22, which specified that a concern for one's own safety in the face of dangers that were real and immediate was the process of a rational mind. Orr was crazy and could be grounded. All he had to do was ask, and as soon as he did, he would no longer be crazy and would have to fly more missions. Orr would be crazy to fly more missions and sane if he didn't, but if he was sane, he had to fly them. If he flew them, he was crazy and didn't have to, but if he didn't want to, he was sane and had to. Yossarian was moved very deeply by the absolute simplicity of this clause of Catch-22 and let out a respectful whistle. That's some catch, that Catch-22, he observed. It's the best there is, Dr. Nika agreed. Treat Your Shelf, a book club podcast where each month we read a book and come together to discuss it. I'm Hannah. I'm Emma. And I'm Christina. And today we will be discussing Catch-22 by Joseph Heller, one of my favorite books, though after rereading it, I can say that we'll it is see. not my absolute favorite book. <laughs> uh, to start us off, let's do a non-spoiler discussion of the book, so general thoughts, feelings, Christina, I'm always what did first. You think? No, that's <laughs> yeah, fine. Because we know what each other thinks. Because <laughs> oh. we see each other so much. We're just like, what does Christina think? We don't know. So I, I thought the book was amusing. The tone of the book was definitely something similar to other books that we have read. In that, like, I could understand why Hannah loved this book so much. I don't know if that's enough for me to say, because I definitely want to say more about that. But they're like the tone and cadence of some of the characters reminded me of like the adults in series of unfortunate events. Mm-hmm. And so like that sort of cadence, I was like, oh, OK, I can see why Hannah loves both these books. Like kind of makes sense. It's a cadence that's like familiar in what I know you've read. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I think, um, unless, Emma, you wanted to go before go I give mine. For me, I, I would say, like, the the first time I, I read this book, I was really struck by, I, I think, like you said, the, the cadence of it. I It felt a lot like M.A.S.H. There were some sequences that almost seemed like they very directly inspired episodes of M.A.S.H., Yes, very much so. <laughs> there, there's one, we'll, we'll there's one in that. particular that I did mark off. I was like, this is exactly what happens in an episode of MASH. Amazing. And, and so definitely the first time I read it, I, I think I um, was taken by the... I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this. I, I think Wittiness? The, yeah, I, I think the first time I, I read it, I, I was more focused on the wittiness of it and how, um, like silly and absurd it it could get and then this time reading it I don't know if that's just I was already in a bad headspace or what but it ended up being I don't know like having a real negative effect on me and the focus was a lot more on the inevitability of death (laughs) and so that's all that my mind has been thinking about lately and <laughs> and Hannah brings us straight down right yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> it's just I don't know that that's where my headspace has been at, and I can't shake it. And so that reading this book did not leave a necessarily a good taste in my mouth this time. So for me, <laughs> when I started reading this book, I immediately thought, 
wow, if I had to read this for high school, I would have hated it. And so if there are people out here listening who had to read it for high school, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> like, I understand why people wouldn't like this book. At first, though, I, I was pretty into it. I thought it was... It's a Joseph Heller is obviously a very intelligent man, and I thought he was able to write very intelligently without coming off as pretentious, which is pretty hard to do. But the book went on too long. There was too much. It's like he had all these ideas for scenes. He had all these great ideas for things to happen. Things that might have happened in his real life. We'll see. I, that's my segment. I'm <laughs> yes, so excited uh, for that segment. Yes. Um, and, and he just put them all into this one book. And, he, and I think it really took away from the central theme of the book, which was probably good for Hannah because it really brought her down. But... <laughs> I I think it, it was too much. The humor wasn't for me. I At first, I was like, this reminds me a lot of Abbott and Costello, Who's on First? Mm -hmm. And I hate Who's on First. <laughs> so, overall, I think it was okay. But is it the greatest American book ever? No. And... Another thing is, you know, at the t when it was written, books had never been written like this about war. So it was pretty crazy, it was pretty new and exciting. But I feel like since then, books and other things have dealt with war in a similar and better way. <laughs> so I think that's all I have to say. I said a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, so now we're going to get into our spoiler-filled discussion. If you have not read Catch-22 yet and do not want to be spoiled, pause this podcast, read the book, and then come back and listen to it. Um, I kind of wanted to take this similar to how we did uh, Lost Girls and just kind of focus on characters first, and then we can talk about um, events and writing style and, and stuff like that. Or it'll all just come together while we're talking about the characters. Uh, so I figured why not start with main character himself, Yosarian. What are people's thoughts on Yosarian? He's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not that <clears throat> bad. I, no, um, I, he definitely was like the comic relief for me. Mm -hmm. I, and in all the situations, I was like, how is Yosarian going to like turn this situation into something funny or brighten it up a little bit or just do something crazy? Like he just was mm -hmm. so unpredictable. I don't know. It was like comical that he like kept ending up in the medic tent, and mm -hmm. I don't know. I I don't know how I feel about him actually, but yeah, I, I don't know either. Yeah. I, so I when I was reading the book, and when Yosarian wasn't in the scene, I was always asking myself, "Where's Yosarian?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I, so I suppose I did care about him the most, but I don't really know what to say about his character. Like, I understand his motivations right. <laughs> for wanting to not die. I, and he decided to live forever or die in the attempt. I do. One of the um. things, I feel like it's going to be a spoiler right away. So I guess it's a good thing you did your little disclaimer there. I feel like he had his mental breakdown and then kind of bounced back from it pretty well. It's very unclear because I was very unclear on the timeline. But you have him, you have the Snowden incident, which is the central incident of the book where mm -hmm. the young man dies in the back of his plane. 
and it really messes him up, and he stops wearing his uniform. But he then goes he goes around naked for a while. Yeah, but it's unclear how long, because eventually he's going back on missions, and I was kind of confused about that. I mean, part of it is he has to go on missions. I, yeah, <laughs> uh. well, but does he? Because I don't know. It's like, why doesn't he just go AWOL? If he really, right. truly feels this way, then why doesn't he just leave? Mm-hmm. Right. So the geography of Pyanosa might have something to do with that. I mean, it is an island. Mm-hmm. And going AWOL would require him to, like, get a boat and, like, row himself in yeah. the ocean or the Mediterranean. Yeah. Which is kind of a lot. But, I mean, he could have just faked, you know, a, an emergency landing somewhere during a mission and, and escaped right. that way. Yeah, but so I was I was confused by the the post Snowden Yosarian. Like, how well was he? Because he seemed pretty well. Fine, and he seemed much like the pre Snowden incident Yosarian. So okay. I don't feel like that that event had as much impact on him as it should have. Mm. So in in the back of my book, there's there's this timeline that Heller puts together, and so it has Snowden. So. The mission with Snowden happens in July in his timeline. Uh, And then in August is when Yosarian enters the hospital after Clevenger's death. And when he's faking his liver ailment. And so that's like where the first... The beginning of the book. The beginning of the book. So so there's about a month or two in this timeline Mm -hmm. post-Snowden's. It it doesn't really say it, it. So I get like... During July is is when he's you know going around naked and getting his reward his his his, um, medal. his medal. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we do kind of uh, we do meet him immediately. I don't know. I, I guess he does kind of bounce back. Yeah, I don't somewhat. I don't. I don't know how to feel because it just it just seemed weird when this seemed like such a central event in the book this is what the book keeps alluding to throughout the entire book and that it doesn't seem to affect him that much that's what got me is that how it seems so important but also that it doesn't affect him as much as i feel like it Mm. should i don't know i feel like him going around naked for a while is a very good like that's yeah but in the book it makes it seem like he went around naked for like a week Mm. yeah i guess (laughs) So that's just one of the things that, I don't know if it confused me, but it sort of, I don't know, just, it felt a little off. Right. So one of my first notes um, was from page 29. Uh, Yasarian is referred to by Doc Danica as a Raskolnikov character, mm-hmm. which is a character from Crime and Punishment. So throughout... A lot of the novel, I was, like, trying to... I mean, obviously, both the characters are super crazy, and they do, like, brash things, you know? I mean, they justify saying, like, oh, he would have no qualms over killing an old woman with an axe. Mm -hmm. But then, like, he spends a whole chapter at the end of the novel, like, looking for the kid sister of, like, Mm -hmm. Neely's Mm or So, I don't know. He's kind of, like hard to place as a character he's like people try and peg him as one thing but then he'll do the opposite 
you know? Yeah. Uh, so then next on my list was the chaplain. I don't know about anybody oh, else. Oh, well, we me- I meant to talk about my theory on the opening line of this book. Oh, okay, yes. Hannah, uh, will you read us the opening line of this book? It was love at first sight. The first time Yossarian saw the chaplain, he fell madly in love with him. All right, so you wanted to discuss this because you, you're curious if people think that if they're actually in love. <laughs> Are they in love? And <laughs> so, so my theory of this line is that, that Joseph Heller was like, this book isn't going to be for everyone. So I'm just going to get it out of the way right at the beginning. If you don't like this beginning line, you're not going to like this book. So just to indicate to people, don't keep reading. This might not be what happens in the book. This might not have anything to do with the book. But if you don't like this kind of stuff, don't read. So that's why I think he put in that line and then didn't really follow up on that love story in any way. No, he didn't. Um, Because, yeah, because he... He very much, the the first line of the book is the first thing that came to him. I mean, this was his, before he had even come up with an idea for a story, before before anything else, he had the line. It was love at first sight. So-and-so fell madly in love. So he, he had that line from the beginning. And I, I almost wonder if it's just one of those things where he had this line in his head. And Too stubborn. Like, this is going to be the yeah. start of my book. Uh-huh. So this is going to be the start of my book. I don't know. That being said... I have told Emma that there's one point where they start comparing Yosarian to Achilles, and I feel like the chaplain is the Patroclus to his Achilles, because when he goes into the hospital with his liver and is, like, given up, he's like, there's there's nothing, like, I'm not getting out of this, I'm not going to be able to avoid this anymore, I've tried everything, like, all hope is lost, and that's when the chaplain is like, no, I got this, I'm gonna get you through this, we're going to finish this thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, and the chaplain, he's always like, where's Usarian? What's Usarian doing? Is he here? <laughs> what? Like, did I hear someone say so? What? <laughs> He's so concerned for Yosarian throughout throughout the book. But I also and feel I, like the chaplain's not in the book that much. He's not. When, um, he, when he's there, he's significantly there. But then I don't... I, I guess because he... A lot of the stuff takes place before the chaplain got there yeah I, so. I feel that the chaplain wasn't wasn't around like in the second half of the book i feel like he was there a lot but it was mostly just the one incident with the plum tomato yeah, yeah. <laughs> which uh. i found really frustrating <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> that's that's the kind of humor this is frustrating humor <laughs> yes Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I found myself very frustrated all the time. Like, no. It's, it's not funny. It's just stressful. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, you guys are so stupid. Why do you lie? Why? <laughs> I don't understand. So how do you feel about the chaplain, Hannah? Since, well, I guess he was just the next person on your list, but. Yeah. I, I feel like the chaplain is the one that I relate the most to I I don't know the chaplain he um goes he kind of has like this little little story arc for the yeah. little bit that he's in where he's just like this meek person who doesn't really know 
what he can do to to help or and then it gets to the point where he's like no he's gonna get stuff done he's going to he's going to find major major he's going to like he's going to get something done for yosarian because he just really cares for yosarian because of their love they're in oh love. my gosh the part where he's in major major's office and then he's so embarrassed that he like misheard <laughs> the like door person or whatever and he's just like oh my god i can't walk back through there they're laughing at me so he climbs out the window like major major does because he thinks everyone's laughing at him all the time like it was so funny and then he ends up running into him i think right that might be the part where i was like i really relate to yeah Yeah. no no one can know i made this mistake no exactly exactly Like, I kind of pictured that scene unraveling, like, he's climbing out the window and, like, he kind of, like, falls on a major major, you know? Yeah. Like, I thought that would have been hilarious. Like, I, like, and I, I still don't really understand major major, but I guess we'll get to him. I love everything about Major Major because it's just, it's the most ridiculous thing of people can only come into my office to see me when I'm not in my office. (laughs) And I just, I I love that so much. Yeah. The parameters, like, were just so ridiculous. And that was, like, part of the cadence that, like, reminded me of, like, other books that we've read where it's Mm -hmm. just, like, ridiculous, piled on ridiculous and if you read it too fast, you missed you missed it, right? Did you have anything about major major? I did. I just I just wrote down what you alluded to earlier. How the major major chapter was basically exactly like the mash episode of Smattering of Intelligence, the first Colonel Flag episode. Colonel Flag. <laughs> the the two CID men, and so that's it. I was really I'm I'm trying my best not to just make this podcast the mash comparison podcast so but, but that <laughs> that's is, all i have to say about that's, him that's the scene that, that for sure when the secret agents were coming in and trying to yeah and and going out through going the out through the window it's, it's just exactly like the mash episode oh my gosh that's hilarious <laughs> that was such a funny scene yeah i also wanted to talk about or sweet sweet or okay. is his roommate before we go any further, <laughs> so there were too many characters in this book. I know who Orr is, but there were a lot of characters where I'm like, wait, who is this one? A lot of them, they, they can blend together um, if you're not. So Orr was one of the ones where I'd always have to take a minute and then I'd remember who he was. There are a lot of characters that we'll probably get into later where I had either no idea or I just constantly forgot who they are. But or the roommate, or the roommate, he was probably the best character just because he was himself and didn't really, because everybody else seemed so, how to say this, just like playing off each other and affected Mm. by each other. And he just was off doing his own thing without really harming anyone else. (laughs) So I thought or was pretty but, swell yeah, guy. Yeah, I, I, I love him always, like, trying to stick the crab apples in his cheeks, or... Yeah, he, he, um, he would annoy, annoy Yosarian, your, your but he never did anything uh, harmful always, like Arfie would. Always, yeah. always taking apart um, the things in the there. Stove. The stove. The stove, always making changes to their tent, and... Yeah. I really like him because it is that, like, hopeful ending with him where... 
Um, he he keeps crashing every mission and mm-hmm. and and keeps trying to get Yosarian to be like, yeah, just come with me. Like, obviously, oh we should gosh. fly together. When he was and, like, why don't you ever fly with me? I was like. yeah that was probably like the most genuine moment in the book yes where where he's saying okay you went and you said you don't want to fly with these two people Mm -hmm. because there was a terrible accident happened but you also specified that you didn't want to fly with me it's it's so it's 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 heartbreaking because i don't know especially because or he he's obviously skilled because he manages to get people safely off his craft. Uh-huh. Yeah, but Yosarian, Yosarian couldn't see that. But but yeah, Yosarian is is clearly like like no, you're you're crashing. That's that's still that that's going to end badly. You crash every single time you go up in the air. Um, it, it's not going to be good. And then when it, it it's revealed that oh, Or has been more or less practicing this whole time that that he's been planning his big escape and and he's going to make it to to neutral ground where he can be. <laughs> Like free of this, it's just like oh, like Yosarian, that was your chance. Uh, that's why he. I mean, maybe that's why he was so sincere about like you really should fly with me. Like right, yeah. Oh, he's so sincere. Such a sweet character. So he's he's another one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have too many other characters that I necessarily wanted to get into. I, I thought about we can tackle Snowden a bit if we want, um, just because he's also kind of a central character throughout, or at least a central event um, yeah, so for I, the story. I don't I remember him as a character before the event. That's because he wasn't. Yeah, That's, okay. yeah it, it's more like the idea of him is is why I feel that he's yeah, a central I, No, I, I thought that was really well done, that Snowden... I'm pretty sure. I guess I'd have to go back, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't in the book at all except for the incident. Right. Okay, gotcha. That's that's it. Did I miss something? No. (laughs) No, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure the the only time they talk about him is in regards to his death Mm -hmm. and how it breaks Yosarian for, I guess, only a little bit of time, according to... (laughs) It It seemed like it should have been more important since he was thinking about it all the time. I don't know. It's... I, I don't know how to express that well enough, I feel. But So, yeah, Snowden. What about Milo? Milo. Oh, yeah, Milo. How did I forget? Because he was Milo such, like, a list. frustrating character. Like, I yes. really did like Milo him is at frustrating. first. And then, like, he definitely is, like, a very interesting character. Obviously mm-hmm. motivated by money and good mm-hmm. deals. But, like... Once he started selling intel, oh my gosh, the moment that you find oh out that gosh. he's the reason that the dead man in Yosarian's tent is dead, you're like, what? Yeah, there was a point, I mean, maybe this, I, I feel like this book is too smart for me and that all my criticisms of, of it are dumb, but <laughs> <laughs> so there, there was a point in this book where I'm just like, okay, are there characters that I'm supposed to like and characters I'm not supposed to like? And I suppose that the author was too smart for me and, you know, wrote all these shades of gray and very (laughs) intelligently. But I feel like Milo, definitely a character that's just incredibly unlikable. Yeah, it it gets to the the point where, yeah, I feel that at first. It's like, oh, you know, he's just 
making all these de deals. He's got his syndicate. It's it's kind of funny how he's selling things basically to himself and then selling them to somebody else. Eh, and all and we all have a share. And, yeah, everybody has a yeah. share. But yeah, then it just gets to the point where it's like, he's just a jerk. He's, I don't know. So, yeah, I didn't like Milo and I'm not sure if I was supposed to <laughs> feel that way or not. But yeah, he bombs the airfield. Mm -hmm. Where they are, he's yeah. supporting the enemy, just all these things. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to talk too much about uh, the TV show, but I will say in the TV show, he is a lot more likable. He still does pretty much all of the things that he does in the book, but he's really charismatic. And I feel like in the book, he, he is made to seem slightly charismatic, at least. How else would he get all these deals with every yeah. side? But he's definitely more likable. So I was wondering, like, was there really just, like, no no fallout from him bombing? He bombed Pyanosa, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they have nothing. No fallout? Like, and, I mean, like, the scene happened so quickly. And, like, there were, like, injured bodies, like, crawling around yes. and, like, all this. And it's like, who died from yeah, that? Yeah, okay. that's what I want to know. So... Yeah. Here, I, I don't know. I want to talk about the TV show again, because the TV show changes that scene slightly so that, again, he, he's a lot more likable. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Sorry if people haven't seen the show or, or want. You can, you can pause, skip ahead, like, 15 seconds. <laughs> um, but he, um, as far as I can tell in the TV show, nobody dies. It's, it's just the planes that are... That are bombed. But reading the book, it was like, everybody was dying left and right. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, this, this yeah. is awful. But then again, they don't mention who died. So maybe no one died. Yeah. It's, mm. This book is too unclear for me. For <laughs> I need everything spelled out. This, so yeah, this book was a nightmare sometimes for a person like me. Mm. Well, I... I thought it was interesting, like, and definitely, like, as you're reading it, you notice the pattern where, like, the next chapter will start where the last one left off, mm -hmm. but then it'll trail, like, the chapter will trail back and forth in time mm -hmm. until at the end you're like, okay, I think we ended before the chapter began, or, mm -hmm. like, it was crazy, but, like, also the transitions were kind of neat where they'd be like, well, why don't you go ask so-and-so? And then it just cuts to that person's answer right. and, like, into that scene. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, like, visually cool. Like, visually, I can see it being, like, a really smooth transition. Mm -hmm. Like, for a show or something. But in the book, sometimes you would get lost a little bit. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's one of the questions I wrote while reading the book was, uh, how do you guys feel about uh, the chapters starting off with the title character, but then veering off course? Because a lot of times uh, each chapter is you know, named for a different character, but then it doesn't always stick with that character and it doesn't always focus on that character. So just how did that writing choice feel to you guys? I, or I liked guys? it. Um... Mostly because I don't feel like it ever happened to a character where I was like, oh, I want to know more about this person. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I was mm -hmm. fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I Sometimes I would forget the chapter title. Mm. And I feel like it, it doesn't have that much bearing yeah. on how I interpret the text. But 
definitely made a lot of interesting writing choices. All right. Uh, So my question was um, just when they first started mentioning the dead man in Yossarian's tent, what did everybody think was going on? Did you think there was an actual dead man in his tent because of how absurd this book can be? What... What were your thoughts on the dead man? So I thought it was a ghost mm. or like, like it, I thought it was an actual person that like had died that used to live in the tent. But I thought that like Yossarian was so crazy at this point that like he was kind of like an imaginary friend that he would like mm. talk to all the time. Mm. And that I kind of thought he was going to be like a central character, like. Gasarium was always going to be talking to this dude or like see the dude in the plane or I don't know. <laughs> I love like, that. Just following him I around. Wish that had yeah. <laughs> but he's like becoming more decayed oh my gosh. time or something like that. <laughs> no, so at first, I'm, what is this, chapter three or yeah. something? So I, at first, I thought there might be a dead man in his tent. And then I feel like by the end of the chapter, I, I realized okay there's there's no actual dead body in his tent it is somebody who was supposed to live with him who died not in the tent yeah but yeah because of everything that had happened so far in the book i was like there could be a dead guy in this tent yeah <laughs> that would have been crazy <laughs> well and they kept mentioning they're like well he's not on the books yet so we don't want to like move his stuff out because he doesn't exist or like all this stuff mm-hmm. and i was like there was a split second when I was like, could it be a dead body in there? They're like, he doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, but I, for me, that at the time, it just seemed too crazy. Because it still was like at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. Also, I'm trying to find... So in the Doc Danica chapter, uh, it's when you find out about how... Uh, he, he doesn't actually go on the planes, even though he's supposed to have airtime. Yeah. Uh, and there was one line that I picked out, which was, what difference does it make it, uh, to anyone if I'm on the plane or not? And then the answer is no difference. But I'm like, when I read that, I was like, no, it could have made a difference. <laughs> like, what if... I don't know about uh, that. Probably not for Snowden. <laughs> Snowden was pretty well... It, it would not have worked out in Snowden's favor, probably. But still, it's just to have a... A doctor on yeah. could have made some difference. Yes. You're you're able to pick up on things like that because the second mm-hmm. time you've read That's, it. Let me go through and there were a bunch. Here's one of my first on page 18. I'm like, knowing what's to come, goodness, is what I wrote. Let me see what I was pointing at. Uh, oh, yeah, it was it was talking about McWatt. McWatt was crazy. He was a pilot and flew his plane as low as he dared over Yosarian's tent as often as he could just to see how much he could frighten him and love to go buzzing with a wild close roar over the wooden raft floating on uh, empty oil drums out past the sandbar. I was just like <laughs> oh no that raft's not gonna be empty like oh no forever that's not good <laughs> let me see what other things i i picked up on i don't know but that that's yeah there were there were just a bunch of things or it was just little lines like that where i was just like oh i know where that's leading to mm-hmm. or oh like that's something that you definitely remembered from the first time reading it that's i i remembered what mcwatt ultimately does i didn't remember the raft until i watched the tv show (laughs) Mm. so that was not not good yeah that scene was shocking to me that's what i wrote and i don't know that that scene really gets me i don't know how much i want but 
I, I wrote after reading that, this gruesome scene more or less comes out of nowhere. Uh, and then my question was, how did people feel about that? I don't know how much I want to talk about. I know. Well, we next have to at least, Okay, we should at least explain the scene. So, at least a little bit. So, Kid Samson... I think we need a content warning. <laughs> so, so for the McWatt scene uh, and Kid Samson scene, I guess, uh, just content warning for, I guess, gore, uh, gruesome death, and uh, suicide. Yeah, sure. Um... <laughs> You know me, I'm insensitive and a terrible person. <laughs> People need to know the truth about me. So, so yeah, Kid Samson's out on a raft. McWatt flies in, buzzing as low as he can, cuts Kid Samson in half. McWatt, racked with guilt, flies his plane into a mountain. And that, yeah, that scene... One of the things that this book... When I, when I was reading it at first, and I was like, oh yeah, this is a well-written book, what it would do is, you know, it spends so much time on these absurd scenes, the plum tomato scene, the T.S. Eliot scene, the all of that, and then it would give, like, a line to violence. And I thought that was, that was really well done. And so I guess this is also like that, although throughout the book it gives more and more lines to violent events. But... What, what do you think? Yeah, so I always thought that, like, while reading it, there would be, like, one line and be like, oh, and then uh, Clevenger, like, disappeared mm-hmm. and was never seen yeah. again. It, like, I didn't quite believe it at first because everything about this novel is, like, so absurd and, like, kind of light. Yeah. Kind of. Right. That, like, when something like that happened, I'd be like, okay, but they're going to come back, right? You know, but this was, like oh my god, like, so gruesome, and so instant, Mm -hmm. and, like, everyone's having a fun day at the beach, and then this, like, I think, like, Kid Samson's, like, going up because he wants to touch the bottom of the plane or something. Yeah, I was confused by that. I was like, why is he, like, jumping up to meet the plane? (laughs) I know, I was like, you're doing something so stupid, but he is called Kid Samson, (laughs) so. But, but yeah, I, I think that's exactly... I mean, throughout the book, you get those one-off lines, and then eventually you'll see the full scene. With this, there really weren't any... I mean, yes, they talked about how McWatt likes to buzz low. Yeah, but they, there was they, they no... Never, they never said, oh, McWatt flew into that mountain. I don't think they ever, they ever never... referenced him flying into the mountain or Kid Samson's death until it actually happened. No, they never said something like, oh, that So was... that's why it was so... That was before Kid Samson's day at the beach or, you know, something even like that right. that didn't say anything, but yeah. And you think they would for McWatt because Yossarian spent so much time with McWatt. Yeah. I feel like McWatt was what I thought Dunbar was going to be, but then McWatt died. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So Yossarian had no sidekick in this book, which I thought he was going to have. <laughs> oh, poor Yossarian. Not even the dead man in his tent yeah. was a sidekick. That's, that's, that's the book you should write. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and then it leads into, like, the super frustrating chapter with Doc Danica, which is, like, okay, so Hannah, before I started reading this book, was, like, keep in mind, a lot of, some of these things happened in real life to Keller. um, (laughs) You're gonna have to guess which things happened in real life. (laughs) And this Doc Danica thing was, like, so absurd that I kind of felt like it was something that could have actually happened, 
So that's one of the instances that I wrote down that maybe could have happened. In All right, refresh life. my mind. What is the Doctor Nika thing that so? So he was on the um, oh where oh, roster yes, 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 for yes, yes, being yes. on the plane. So they're yes. like, oh, you're dead, yes. and then everyone ignores him, and then like tells his wife that he's yes. dead when he's obviously not yes, dead. Yes, yes. That's not something that actually happened. <laughs> not that you know of. <laughs> okay. As far as I know. Yeah. Um, if we want, we can get into into that. Did you guys have guesses? I, you, you said that was one of your possible guesses, but what are your guesses of what things actually happened in uh, real life? I gave up because I just assumed it was basically everything. <laughs> um, I assumed Snowden is moderately real. What else? Uh, the scene where they're at the briefing and, like, Yasarian, I think it was Yasarian, like, just starts the moaning. <laughs> and then everyone starts moaning. That's definitely something that happened in real life. It probably is, but as far as I know, I don't. That, was I, one that one's not I confirmed thought. for me. Uh, if you want, I can I can go through. So all of these I got from a biography on uh, Joseph Heller that I read that I was going to recommend at the end of this discussion. So, uh, Just One Catch, a biography of Joseph Heller by Tracy Doherty. Okay, so so yeah, so the scene where Snowden dies um, is fairly accurate, uh, though in real life the person uh, was only shot in the leg. Okay. Uh, so they did at least survive for a time. I, I kind of want to read to you word for word from the biography because it's, it's just fascinating how, like, exact the scene is. Um, So Joseph Heller himself was a bombardier. uh, So the scene is about that, the scene. (laughs) This thing that actually happened in his real life. (laughs) Um, Okay, so uh, when when it's talking about the man, the man is Joseph Heller. Okay. The co-pilot, fearing this green kid was moving too fast and about to stall the engines, seized the controls and the plane went into a sudden steep dive back to an altitude where it could be holed by curtains of flak. If you'll remember in the book, the... Dobbs sees the controls from Hopple. Yes. Uh, In the nose cone, the man, Joseph Heller, who had overseen the bombs, slammed into the roof of his compartment. His headset jack pulled loose from its outlet and began whipping around his head. He heard nothing. He couldn't move. I believed with all my heart and quaking soul that my life was ending and that we were going down, like the plane on fire I had witnessed plummeting only a few moments before, he remembered. I had no time for anything but terror. Just as quickly as it had begun its descent, the plane shot upward, away from the flak, one moment yo-yoing into the next, a vanishing yet interminable instant. Now he was pinned to the floor, looking for a handhold, anything to grasp. The silence was horrifying. Was he the only crewman left alive? Was he alive? Would this moment never end, or had everything already ceased? He noticed the jack to his headset lying free near his chair. He plugged himself back in, and a roar of voices pierced his ears. The bombardier doesn't answer, he heard someone shout. Help him, help the bombardier. I'm the bombardier, he said, and I'm all right. But the very act of asserting what should have been obvious made him wonder if it was true. So again, that's very, that's exactly what happens to Yosarian in in the book. Oh, yeah. And so then, so yeah. I'm the bombardier, he insisted. Then go back and help him, help the gunner, a voice told him through his intercom. He's hurt. He crawled back through the narrow passageway toward the rear of the plane and emerged from the tunnel. The side gunner, a young man named Frankel, lay bleeding on the vibrating floor. A hole gaped in the aluminum wall of the plane. An oval wound tore across the gunner's thigh. The bombardier fought a tide of nausea. He barely knew this kid. I'm cold, Frankel said. Yeah, it's just basically... Except he does... 
more or less, I think. Live. Oh, he lives? I think. I'm a little disappointed now. Give me a sec. <laughs> Huh. Like, that's the catalyst for Yossarian's whole, like, adventure in this. So, yeah, so he lives, but then, basically, I believe... I thought there was another instance where somebody got shot similar to Snowden. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I don't know that I have that written down. Uh, so then some of the other things. Heller wrote an account of a B-25 named Schnapps Yo-Yo that disappeared inside a heavy cloud in the space of 45 seconds, never to be seen or heard from again. Similar to Clevenger mm-hmm. disappearing. And then this, it said, in, in March 1943, Ira Eker announced that 25 missions would constitute a tour of duty for frontline bomber crews. Uh, but he ended up, but Joseph Heller ended up flying 60 while most people had to fly 80 before they could. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, while most had to fly 80. Wow. <laughs> <clears throat> Heller himself also shared his tent with a dead man. His cot had been untouched since the person's death. Uh, and I was like, this is really minor and might not count. But the men, um, just like they do in the book, often shot the mice and rats with their 45s. Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> that, that's a tiny. Heller's roommate was just like Orr and transformed their tent by constructing a fireplace. <laughs> Adorable. Yes. This roommate, similar to Orr, on at least three occasions, would either crash land or bring a damaged plane back safely with a chuckle and a smile. Um, (laughs) um, One of the men passed themselves off as a life photographer so he could smooth talk girls into posing for him. Uh, Some men liked to entertain themselves by doing daredevil stunts like buzzing the beaches real low. Two pilots had died right before Heller arrived by crashing into a mountain. Okay. One man, this is the one, uh, one man uh, got flack through the side and it was said his midsection had been severed and he moaned, I'm cold, I'm cold. So similar to Snowden. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the story about uh, Luciana. Yeah. Um, that, that happened to Heller himself. <laughs> so that whole sequence oh. of meeting the girl and then not actually going back with her, but then her showing up in the morning and <laughs> them doing their thing is... And, and he, he eventually met somebody named Major Major, um, but that was after the war, where he met yeah. a doctor who was a major in the army whose last name was Major. So it wasn't Major 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 Major, but... Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so those are the things but that are... But it could have been. It could have been. Oh, really missed out there. I was expecting more of, like, the antics and absurdities to be what really happened. But it makes sense more, I guess, that the actual fighting scenes and stuff are like what happened in real life. Uh, Do we have anything else? I mean, as I said before, there are too many characters. Like, okay, so there's the point where General Peckham replaces General Dreedle. I didn't know who either of them were. I was like, I don't know the difference between you two, so this means nothing to me. And there's plenty of things. Uh, Yeah, this book should have been a lot more focused. You know, it can have crazy antics, but just less crazy antics. We, I didn't need Nately's old man. I didn't need that chapter. Mm-hmm. I didn't need half the Milo chapters. So just if this book was just a bit tighter, a bit, I guess I, I just needed an easier book to follow. And this was not, <laughs> not the book. Yeah. Um. So before we close out, we're going to share some recommendations if we have them. I have two recommendations, one that is directly related and one that is kind of a stretch, but is a good book and I wanted to recommend it. 
So the first one is the one I already mentioned, Just One Catch, a biography of Joseph Heller by Tracy Doherty, which, which again, just goes through Joseph Heller's life. And it's just really interesting to hear those stories of what he went through and, and his life growing up and, and after the war. And then the other one, which is the stretch one, uh, is The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. <laughs> and the reason I have that is just because of the like bouncing narrative, how it hops from perspective and character and, and time, and it's timey-wimey. <laughs> so I don't know. That was my, my recommendations. All right. Uh, for me, so this book reminded me a lot of MASH the movie, which isn't a good, it's oh. not a good thing. Um, <laughs> so if you really like this book, I guess I would recommend MASH the film and not MASH the TV show. But if I'm recommending things to people in real life, MASH the TV show is way better than MASH the movie. Book-wise, I recommend Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut, which is very similar structure-wise and also about his experiences during World War II. And... There's also aliens in it, so, you know, it's a better book. (laughs) Um, And also, I feel like I have a bit of a stretch, too. This book kind of reminded me of the humor and stuff like that. The humor reminded me of America by Franz Kafka. So if you want just sort of absurd situations where characters have no control, I would recommend that. Christina. (laughs) Okay. I don't have any, like, obvious recommendations. So, like I said before, the tone and cadence of this really reminded me of series of unfortunate Mm. events, which is so weird. (laughs) And, like, it's definitely a different novel for a different audience. (laughs) But, like, the frustrating characters, the cadence, and the wittiness is kind of there. Well, it's definitely there. Yeah. That's all I have. I I don't know. It kind of reminded me of maybe like a Chuck Palahniuk novel. Like Invisible Monsters has like a crazy timeline like this. The subject matter is completely different. But the way that it jumps around is kind of similar. Uh, and his level of wittiness is very similar as well. Yeah, that's all I got. Oh, but Hannah, yeah. you might be the only person in the world who's read the sequel to Cash 22. <laughs> do you I, recommend I it i i read closing time i i got through it i, <laughs> I for some reason it, it was a lot more absurd i feel than than this book i i don't know i honestly could not tell you what that book was about it, it was about old man yosarian and i think the world ended i honestly don't know what happened in that story so so, so you don't so, recommend so no. <laughs> the sequel i don't really recommend the sequel okay okay good to know <laughs> so christina what are we reading next time we are going to read sarah gailey's latest release upright women wanted are you a coward or are you a librarian <laughs> <laughs> oh wow <laughs> That's i'm intrigued the cover of the book <laughs> I'm intrigued, I would say. (laughs) And then um, one of the reviews inside the front cover, it says a good old fashioned horse opera for the 22nd century. 
Horse opera? Dude, that's not a genre. Has anyone <laughs> ever called anything a horse opera? No. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining in our discussion. Until next time, don't forget to treat yourself.